0: Well, today we're going to be looking at two words that prevent us from living a great story. Two words in particular, and those words are envy and jealousy. We're going to find out as we turn to Acts chapter 5 in our Bibles or our smartphones or our tablets or maybe the Bible that is in front of you in your seat. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, you're more than welcome to take that Bible home. and be our gift to you how to live a great story. And those two words, envy and jealousy, they prevent us from living such a story. Kids are able to demonstrate jealousy and envy uh, quite well, don't they? They can be playing with a toy. They can be playing with something that they've very, ha- very happy and, and content, and then one of their siblings or one of their friends will start playing with another toy that they have cared nothing about for maybe even months. And all of a sudden, jealousy right ensues. And they just want that toy. It, it hit our house not too long ago when the, around the tooth fairy. Uh, my daughter lost her second tooth. And it came with great gnashing of teeth because the tooth wasn't ready to, well, it was ready to come out, but she wouldn't, didn't want it to come out. And so I had to pull it out. And so after there was much crying and drama, the tooth was out and that little teeny, teeny baby tooth was put on a, a piece of paper towel and I put it on the counter. Well, my wife had forgotten about it. About two hours later, she accidentally threw away the, the paper towel and the tooth. Yeah, that's right. Gasp, right? Well, three hours later, my daughter, hey, Dad, where's the tooth so I can put it under my pillow so the Tooth Fairy can come? And, and I thought very quickly with my wife freaking out behind her, I said, well, why don't we just leave a note on the table in the, in the kitchen so that the Tooth Fairy sees it? Because we know the Tooth Fairy comes to the, to the kitchen. Oh, okay, that's a good idea. So she writes a note, she leaves a, a note on the kitchen table, and the Tooth Fairy does come. And the Tooth Fairy leaves a dollar. Well, the next day... She's very excited about it, but then a week goes by, and I come to find out that the tooth fairy has adjusted her, her price for inflation. <laughs> and that a dollar just it won't cut it, apparently. And because of that, and some comparing and jealousy and envy ensued <laughs> as the aftermath. Now we may not react like our children do, but we mask our jealousy. We mask our envy. In adult kind of ways. We camouflage those things. And we camouflage them with little comments here and there and everywhere. Like things like we say things like, well, I don't want to be around her or him. Or she's just too nice. Or she's just too pretty. Or did you see her flaunting that incredible engagement ring? It's so gaudy. I can't believe that. Or, Or did you see him with her? Did you see her with him? It'll never last. It, did you see the man cave in that basement? It was just, TV was just way too big, right? I just want to pause. There is no, there is no such thing as too big a TV, right, guys? That's right, that's right. You can, you can go ahead and elbow your wife. You're welcome for that. You know, you know, the poet, though, he writes to us about our jealousy and envy. He says, I hate the guys who minimize and criticize. The other guys whose enterprise has made them rise. Above the guys who criticize. He, he writes about me. He writes maybe about you. He writes about the priests, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. We're going to look at in chapter 5 of Acts. As we look into the Acts chapter 5, what we find out is that God's moving. And the early church is exploding. And the power of God is coming to those early church participants. And as the power of God is coming, the lives are being transformed. And the same power then is found today. It's the same power that we experience today. And as we look to Acts chapter 5, verse 17, we're going to see a church that is exploding to the power of God. If you've got your listening guides in your bulletin, you can pull those out. We'd love for you to dive in as we look together. Verse 17 of chapter 5, we read this. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. Now, why are they filled with envy? Why are they filled with jealousy? Now, you've got to understand a little bit of their DNA, how they came to be, and, and, and who they are. Now, God had ordained and guided Israel throughout the many years years that Israel had been a nation. That the priests were to be from the tribe of Levi. They were Levites. But in this day and age that we read from, what happened is quite different. That Herod, he was the puppet. He was the king that the Romans had put in power. And he had put all of these non-Levite priests in charge. Maybe they were political favors. Maybe they were friends of his. Maybe they were as corrupt as he was. But because of this, They're politically powerful. They are the people in the community that can make things happen. And they are scared because the real power has shifted to the early church, and they're scared. They don't want their power to be gone, and so they're envious. They're filled with jealousy. I mean, these priests should not have been there. It was weird for this culture. It was kind of like a UK fan wearing all University of Louisville colors. Isn't that weird, right? UK fans are like, never, never in a million years. Blasphemer, Blasphemer, that's right. (laughs) But Peter had interacted with these Sadducees and these priests, and they had warned him once, and now they're at it again, and they're filled with jealousy, they're filled with rage. And I find it ironic that these people that are supposed to be furthering the kingdom of God, they're actually the ones that are opposing it. They're angry about it. They're jealous. They're envy. But this isn't the only time, right, that this had happened. I mean, back in Matthew 27, the same leaders had gotten the crowd all reveled up and riled up and said, look, we want Barabbas set free, for a murderer and execute a guy by the name of Jesus. Stephen in Acts chapter 7, he had said and spoken of the Israel patriarchs, He had said that they had, because of jealousy and envy, had literally sent Joseph to slavery. (laughs) I'm so glad, though, that this was a problem back then. It's not a problem with us today, right? That that jealousy and envy never hits us where it is. James chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 says, Who is wise and has understanding among you? He He should show his works by good conduct with wisdom's gentleness. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and deny the truth. See, James isn't writing atheists. James isn't writing agnostics. James isn't writing the Romans or the Greeks. He's writing Christians. You see, friends, he's writing you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ morning, he's writing me. Because we all struggle with envy. We all struggle with jealousy. I'll go first, Okay. I'll just go first and I'll just be honest with you. I struggle with envy and I struggle with jealousy. I, I struggle with a few things I'll share with you. Number one, I struggle with people that are really witty and really quick, quick with like a, a comeback. I'll be in a, a conversation, a meeting, and, and then we'll be discussing something and, and, and I'll be thinking through it. And I'll, I'll think, OK, I, I think that I, I really have wisdom to pour into this conversation but somebody else is more quick-witted than me, and I can't think of anything quick to say back. And so like four hours later, I think of the perfect comeback. But, it, you know, it, it's too late by then. My wife is really quick-witted, and we'll be in the middle of a discussion, and, and we'll be disagreeing about something, and I don't know what else to say, and I just, you know, and I just walk away, and then four hours later, a, w- a day later, I'm like, man, that would have been really good. Now she she'll be like, what were you even talking about? Here's another thing I'm jealous about and envious of. I'm jealous and envious of people that, ha, that, that, ha, that are off on the weekend. As, as a pastor, as a pastor I, I work on the weekends. And I'll be honest with you, I'm jealous of, of, you know, people that get off on a Friday and it's the weekend and they can go and, and do what You know, that's just kind of the start. In a lot of ways, that's really ramping up for me in this weekend. Now, I'm not going to complain because Graceland gives me time away, which I'm thankful for. But I'm just going to say I'm jealous and envious. Another thing I'm jealous and envious of is other pastors in other churches. And here's why I'm jealous of those things. A couple years ago, I was at the SBC conference. I'm there, I'm sitting there, and they'd handed us this book of information. And in this book of information was the top, or the biggest churches in the SBC denomination. And I don't know, not know if you know this or not, but Graceland is a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, more of just a cooperative giving program that gives to missionaries, and that's really what makes up the denomination. They're, it's, they're all autonomous churches. But I'm sitting there, and I'm thumbing through the 500 largest churches. There's thousands of SBC churches, and I come to our church. I'm like, that's pretty cool. But you know what the next thing I did? I saw what was the next one bigger than Graceland. And all of a sudden, I mean, I'm sitting there, literally, I'm sitting there going, okay, how can we move up the list? Now, you all can just kind of start going like this at me, okay, and be like, what a horrible person your pastor is. Right? But, but I'm just like those Sadducees. I'm just like those priests. I'm jealous. I'm, I'm envious at times. James in chapter 4, he says and continues, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? You desire and do not have. So envy and jealousy, they, they prevent us from living a great story. And so in order for us to want to fix the issue, a quick fix, is that that without even thinking about it, we want to do one of two things. We either want to put down the other person some way, or we want to see them fail. But that's not really the root. That's not going to solve it. But that's what we try to do, and that's what the Sadducees, the priests, and the Sanhedrin, they do. Look at it with me in verse 18. It says, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail, prison, right? Highly visible and hopefully extremely humiliating. And even if it had stopped the movement of the church, their jealousy and their envy would have probably moved to somewhere else. Because here's the deal. The root of jealousy and envy is so much deeper. I have a good friend. He's an atheist. And we were talking about jealousy and envy. And I said, what do you think the root of jealousy and envy is? He thought for, for a few minutes. And he said, Ray, I, I really think that it comes from insignificance. When we feel insignificant, then jealousy and envy arises. And I was like, you know, I think you're right. What is the antithesis of insignificance? It's significance. Well, where does significance come from? We start talking about a little more. And I would say, I'd share with you from the balcony to the floor here this morning, that really that significance comes from purpose in God. That God, he's the originator of purpose. And if he's the originator of purpose, he's the originator of the world. And if he's the originator of the world, he's the originator of all things. If he's the originator of all things, then he is the the one that, that gives all good things. And if he gives all things, the root problem, really, that you're dealing with in regards to jealousy and envy, get this, is you and God. That you, my friend, don't feel like that God's delivering for you. That he hasn't lived up to his share of the bargain. You've done all these things, but God hasn't. After all, he could have given you a different gene pool. After all, he could have given you and put you in a different culture or family. Or he could have taken away the sickness to her or him or you. Or he could have made them live longer. He could have done X, Y, and Z from you. But the bottom line is you've got a problem with God. Basically, here's the deal. God has been doling out presents. You get the toothbrush and everybody else gets the motorbike. And it's unfair to you, right? Right? You've got a prayer with God. And ultimately, you're resenting, you're resenting the goodness of God in your life. And because you're resenting the goodness of God in your life, it, 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 it infiltrates every area. There's this plant. it's bamboo. And bamboo has this unbelievable way to... To in its root sh- system to just go everywhere. It pops up here, it pops up there, but what you don't know is that all the roots infiltrating every inch of the soil it can get its hand on, it just moves quickly. And that's exactly what resentment, that's exactly what envy will do in your life. It'll infiltrate, infiltrate your life. And before you know it, it springs up everywhere. And the only way that you can combat bamboo is by harsh and drastic measures. So how do we infiltrate? How do we get rid of the bamboo in our life, the resentment, the envy? How do we take drastic measures to these things? Well, let's let's look at a few things. And you're listening, God. I've I've given you three in particular. The, The first one is this. The first drastic measure, root out jealousy in your life, is to have a discussion with your Heavenly Father. It starts with God. Take it to him. Get honest with him. Let, let him know how you're feeling. Tell him what has been going on in your heart, in your life, in regards to him, because ultimately it has to do with him and you, and you feel like things are not fair somewhere along the line. And here's the good news. The good news is, is that he understands how you feel and that he already knows what you're struggling with. The writer in Hebrews and Hebrews, Chapter 4, he says this in verse 15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And because of this, we can have boldness to talk to our Heavenly Father. If If we're in Christ, if our life ends at the foot of the cross, then we can talk to Him. And in verse 16, we're encouraged to let us approach the throne of God with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can say, God, this isn't fair. I don't feel like this is right. Where are you? And I think that he encourages us along the way to understand and remember one thing that really he's never been fair. And that's a good thing. In our culture today, we want everything to be fair, right? We want equality. Well, I'm so grateful that God hasn't given us equality. And here's why. Because right now we wouldn't be here if he gave us what we truly deserved. The greatest symbol of, in it, really, of, of unfairness is the symbol right behind me. And, and for those of you who maybe watch online later, really, it's a cross, The cross is the greatest symbol of unfairness ever, and here's why. Because a perfect man went to the cross to die for people that are imperfect so that they could have a relationship with the designer to experience grace and mercy in their life and to walk in newness of life and one day live eternity with their purposeful, loving God. That, friends, is unmerited grace. That, friends, is completely unfair. And the cross is the symbol of that unfairness. But we can take all of our requests to Him. It's amazing. The second thing that we can do to undermine and and root out jealousy and envy in our life, number two, is to celebrate, to rejoice with others and the goodness of God in their life. To rejoice, to be thankful for what the good things are going on in their life. To instead of be jealous of them, to rejoice with them. To instead of Be jealous of them to rejoice with them. Let me say that again. To instead of be jealous of them to rejoice with them. Say that with me. To instead of be jealous of them. Some of you that maybe have heard to even say. Romans chapter 12 verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Uh, 1 Samuel 18. Just quickly, what's going on in this story is that the king, King Saul, He's king over the land and he's a jealous and he is in an envious state in his life. And here's why. Because there's this upstart guy by the name of David coming along and fame is sweeping the land. And, and, and Saul does, is, is upset about it because he's scared of the power shift that is happening in the kingdom. And he's scared because of the same song and ditty he keeps hearing over and over and over again and the same song and ditty is going something like this Saul has slain thousands but David has slain so much more right and it was a much better melody okay but the point is this that he is jealous and envy of what's going on he is unable to celebrate in the goodness of others at the time There's a great illustration of what I believe that that looks like celebrating the goodness that uh, that what God has maybe given, or even celebrating, you know, when someone else rises above you. Ever heard of MMA, mixed martial arts? Anybody? Yeah. It's just fascinating. You turn on mixed martial arts, MMA, and it it, it grips— and I can only watch like 30 seconds of it because I have two young daughters— and, and so like in between cartoons and they leave the room, I flip it on, you know, and then they walk back in and I flip it back to Curious George. All right. Well, so when you do watch it, they're basically in this cage. And these are some of the inc- most incredible, baddest dudes you've ever seen. And they, with these thin gloves on, they basically try to rip each other's heads off. It is, inc- I, mean, it's all- I mean, if you're a guy, it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know what it is. But, you know, they get to the end of the fight, okay, and they're, and they're done. And every single time, here's what you see. You see one of them go up to the other, and they basically, in a, in a nutshell, say, Look, I wanted it, but you took it. Good job. Good job. They're celebrating in somebody. And, and I'm telling you what, we have a hard time with this, don't we? Whether maybe it's in, on the athletic field or in the corporate room or in our own family, our own friend group, it's hard. To celebrate them when they get the promotion. To celebrate them when they're in health. To celebrate them when they meet somebody and get married and you're not. To celebrate them when they get the dream job that maybe even you wanted. To celebrate them with the, when their children succeed. To celebrate them, whatever the case is. And the third uh, thing that undermines and and roots out jealousy and envy in our life, and and this is foundational, and that's this: to celebrate the goodness of God in your life. In your life. Let me ask you, are you breathing today? Yeah. Are you alive today? Yes. I was in the hospital all day yesterday, uh, helping with a family member. And let me just tell you, as they were hooked up to those machines, and, and, and I'm marveling at the capacity of the human body, I was reminded once again of the simplicity of the goodness of God. The fact that we are alive. The fact that we are breathing. I, I learned yesterday something incredible. Just one or more of God's goodness. That the fact that a man's skull is twice as thick as a woman's skull. And maybe you ladies are like, that is a lot, right? And, and I think it's there for a reason. Why? Because little boys need thicker skulls, maybe than little girls along the way. But the goodness of God is right there in front of us, and we need to celebrate this. We need to rejoice in the goodness of God. But somewhere along the line, we're, we're grateful, but then we all of a sudden, we, we say, but. but. That's good, but— it, That's good, but what about this? Or what about that? Or how about this? Or how about that? Right? But we need to get that that word out of our vocabulary in the context of that phrase and that conversation because it prevents us from living a great story. Proverbs uh, 14.30, it says this, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy and jealousy, right, it rots the bones. Socrates says, Envy is the daughter of pride, the author of murder and revenge, the perpetual tormentor of virtue. Envy is the filthy slime of the soul, a venom, a poison with which consumeth the flesh and drieth up the bones. It rots us from, like cancer from the inside. Rejoice in the goodness of God, or otherwise face the consequences of just this green monster ruining things. We'll be walk, walking along, everything's good, and then we'll see our proverbial neighbor's lawn. We, we, we see them at their cubicle, we see them in their office, we see them driving their new car, we see them with their children, we see them with their new girlfriend, their boyfriend, whatever the case is, their new lawn. And we wish that lawn was our lawn. And so we may do one of two things. We may go out and try to get a better, greener lawn by trying to get the same things they do. Or, or number two, we'll just seethe with jealousy and envy. But what we don't know is that if we would get a little closer to their lawn, we would discover there's poop in their yard, just like there's poop in our yard, right? Yeah, that's true. Don't put that on social media, okay? Okay. And I heard, a, I heard somebody just this last week share, you know what, when it's time, when, it, when, it, when you begin to see the grass is always greener and someone else's lawn, maybe it's time for you to water your own lawn a little bit. I think that's so true, isn't it? To just rejoice in the goodness of God in your own life, in your own life. And when you are able to do that, friends, you can live a great story because you're concentrated, you're focused on completely different things. As we continue to look at this story, you you see the story of a group of people who are focused on one thing and a group of people that are just trying and being destroyed by jealousy. The, The shift in verse 19 in Acts, it shifts back to the apostles. Look at it with me. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there, so they went back and reported, hey, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, can you imagine On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and, and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. He said, it you have filled with Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Then Peter, he stands up, and other other apostles, they replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Here's what I want you to see here. That jealousy and envy are always in direct opposition to God's obedience. That as long as you are jealous and as long as you are envy, you will no longer and be able to obey God. And you will not be able to live a good story. And you will not be able to experience the power of God in your life in, in, in any single way. I mean, it says it right here. We continue to read about the story. Verse 30, the God, Peter says, The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witness to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted him put to death. Peter's like, look, it's Jesus who you, who you killed. He's the very Savior of the world. And he, my friend, is what we're trying to follow and do. And you're not. And they're mad. And so they they want to kill him. I'm summarizing the next few verses here, but basically they're getting ready to kill him, to to, to kill all of these, these followers off. And this one respected stoic leader stands up. He stands up, and he's he's the most famous, maybe, of all of them. His grandpa was the great Hillel. And the great Hillel led a faction of the priests who were very, very, very conservative. And everyone respected him. And he said, you know what? Let's not kill him. Let's let him go. And he gives this huge, big oration. Now, a little side note. That same man had one famous pupil. And that one famous pupil, who was Saul, would become Paul. We'll get to that a little bit later in in our discussion. But they let him go. But before they do so, look in with me in verse 40. It says, they killed the apostles in and had them flogged. So before they go, they're beaten to a bloody pulp. They're whipped with with pieces of glass in the whip and metal and, and shreds. And, 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 the, and it hits the stomach and rips the skin off their stomach, rips the back off, they would leave. Can you imagine every single time you bathe yourself, you're reminded of that pain? Every single time that you, you, you put on clothes, you're reminded of that pain. I'll be honest with you, you don't read anything about the apostles and the disciples complaining or jealous or envy of how others are being treated. If I would have been those people, I don't think the first the, the the Christianity would have gotten past the first century. But the disciples, our church fathers, they go no, wait, hold on a second. They had other ways of reacting here. Look at it with me, verse forty-one. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name day after day in the temple courts. And from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And here's the thing. Maybe we need to get on our knees. And maybe we need to st- just to say, you know what, God, I'm so sorry that my, my life has been gripped with jealousy and envy. Enough to get me off track to remember and to forget what really we should be living our lives about. Instead of accumulating. And instead of trying to put others and, and, rise above, and rise above others. Maybe it's time that we would actually prop up people like we talked about last week. Maybe it would be that we need to repent and say, God, I've been distracted. And maybe my life be focused on the name. Just like their name. There was folks on the name. And when you choose joy... Because Jesus is joy instead of jealousy. The, the movement of God multiplies. And when the movement of God multiplies, we see an unbelievable work. And what I'm praying is that we will choose joy over jealousy. And when we do so, not only our neighborhoods will be transformed, but neighborhoods in Palmyra will be transformed. And neighborhoods all over our state, all over Kentucky, Kentuckiana, all over this region, all over the country and around the world. That, my friends, is really what God is hoping and dreaming your story would look like. And joy reminds me of my good friend, George. My good friend, George, he was, a, he, was a, he was a veteran. And because of the war he had fought in, his body was ravaged. He had had all these afflictions in and out of the hospital every other week. It was that bad. And I'll never forget... He was taken to the hospital. It had gotten really bad. Infection had crept up his leg all the way to his mid-thigh. He was struggling with all kinds of different things. And I, he, I went to visit him in the hospital one day because the, the, the time was short. And I always could tell where George was in the hospital because or in the church because laughter was always around him. And there he is entertaining the doctors and the nurses and just cutting up. And there he is sitting in the bed nearing amputation of his leg when he could have been sitting there and bitter and jealous and envy of everything else. I said, how are you, George? He said, pastor, I've never been better. Man, things could be so much worse than they are now, and there I am trying to minister to him, and he's preaching me the best message I've ever heard. Well, George would recover, and he'd be sent home, but we knew that the the end was near. He lived near me, and so I'd often pass by his house, and and one day I'm driving by his house, and I slow down to stop because he's in the front yard, and, and He's sitting in his wheelchair, he has, his leg has been amputated, and he's polishing up his Harley. And he's got Johnny Cash blasting from his Harley, and he's singing along as loud as he can. He just waves, hey, preacher! And I said, how you doing, George? He said, "Not, n- never been better. And I drove away, and thought, there's joy in the name of Jesus. Would you choose that over anything else? This morning. Would you stand with me? Is jealousy and envy preventing you from living a great story? Ask yourself that question Has it crept into your life? It's hard to admit, but it's even worse when it's not accounted for and treated. We're going to sing a song, and it's, it's, a, it's an incredible, incredible melody. And it talks about basically the posture and the idea of saying, you know what? In the midst of the storm, in the midst of whatever's going on, I choose joy over jealousy. It's a statement for me today. And I pray that you would sing it out with all you got. But maybe today you need to not just sing it out. Maybe you need to get out from where you are and you need to come to this altar because there is someone that you are jealous and envious. There is someone. It's a sister. It's a brother. It's a coworker. It's a friend. It's a neighbor. It's someone in this community. It's somebody. And you, my friend, have been wanting them to fail. And today you got to cut them free and you got to celebrate their good, what God's doing in their life. And you got to celebrate what God's doing in your own life. And you got to get out from your seat right now. You got to come and you just got to release that to God. Or maybe today you don't have a relationship with your creator. The purpose in your life, it's not there. And there are people with badges on or prayer counselors and they would love to pray with you. They'd love to discuss with you anything you have that you're carrying and they'll pray with you. They'll be to my left and my right down here. They come forward and talk to them. Or maybe today in this place, you, as a believer in Jesus, you would say, you know what, Ray? I'm so grateful for Jesus because I can approach the throne of grace. And because I can approach him, I want to celebrate through just remembering his death, burial, and resurrection through communion. That'll be available as well. But would you, before you res- leave, respond? Because my friend, he, got, he wants you to live a great story to glorify him. And, and you know what? I'm cheering you on.